Selene's in love with Bray Alley. She always was. Where are you going? I thought I'd head towards the ranges. Start again somewhere. Take care, Ellie. Wait, can't you go back? Talk it over with her. I tried that. It could have worked, but I ruined it. Like I ruined everything. But Ryan, what do I tell her? Tell her goodbye. So welcome to Series 2, Episode 37 of Conversation with Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Colin. How's it going? We have episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 2, Episode 37, the screenplay was done by David Fox. It was directed by Julian McSweeney, and the episode synopsis were read out by Carlin. With peace between the tribes within their grasp, Bray and Danny disagree with Lex and Alice over how far they are willing to compromise in order to achieve their goal. Tysan has a bone to pick with Lex, while Ryan faces a difficult decision about his future. Bray calls a meeting to tell the Morats that the tribes are more united than ever thanks to the threat of the Chosen and that there is a real chance for lasting peace. And to ensure this, he wants to allow the leader of the Jackals, Billy Boy, to trade at the market after previously being barred by Lex. Lex and Alice, however, think this is a security risk, as well as a slight to Lex's authority, but Bray and Danny think the compromise is necessary for the greater good. So yeah, panel, let's start with that first of all. Um, yeah, what did you make of the situation unfolding here? I think they have a fair point. Bray and Danny, for once, that is. Because if you want everyone to cooperate, you need everyone able to participate. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's no unity and not the option of everyone being deemed equal, or at least equal enough to be allowed to participate in everything, then why on earth would they help them? I, mean, I, I honestly can't see why Billy Boy and Jackals would be willing to be united with the Mulrats if they're not allowed to participate in things like the trading market. And yeah, I get why Lex feels that it's a security risk. And well, Al is agreeing with Lex on everything right now. But nah, it's, yeah, though it might be a slight risk. Billy Boy ain't, ain't no saint, but neither is Lex. So I think it's a good move to suggest to let him back in. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Um so far, the biggest risk to the marketplace has been proven to be Lex, so he has no room to talk. And uh, I just think it's a good expositional conversation, catches you up to speed, what's going on, what people's focus is going to be, what the conflict is going to be. You know, um, the argument makes sense from both sides, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's good busy work. You know, like, okay, I mean, I won't lie, though. When it first started, I felt like I missed something because I was like, did I miss the confrontation between Lex and Billy Boy? Mm-hmm. And I had to stop for a second and think, did that happen in the last episode? But otherwise, it, it was nice to just, okay, get us back into the role. This is what's happening this episode. And it does a good job with that. And then I love the way it disperses. That's fun. You know, it's efficient. Mm. Mm. I'm actually going to agree with Lex on this one. And mostly just because when Lex has a... uh, Normally when Lex says something is a good idea or a bad idea, 95% of the time he's actually right about it. And I know at this point in the series, we don't really have 
too much information on Billy Boyd and, and his uh, tribe. We don't know how useful they can be. And sure, it'll be a good idea for all the tribes to be in harmony and whatnot. But if Lex says this guy's known for just causing trouble and whatnot, I don't really think it could be such a bad thing if we just keep their tribe out of the, the marketplace. Yeah, but how are you going to, to unite everyone if you're excluding people you dislike? Especially if you think they're trouble. You don't want them against you. Well, then, if that's the case, then they can just uh, prove to themselves why they have changed or, you know, turned uh, to a blind side and why they're so good now. Because they're like a warrior tribe, aren't they? Yeah, but, you know, it's it's like with enemies. Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Uh, if 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 you think they're trouble, you don't want them to join the other side. Well, that well, that's the thing. I, yeah, they're trouble, but also I don't really think they're a threat. So that's why I can exclude them and not really feel like it'll be such a loss for the tribe and for the entire city as a whole. Carlin does make a point, though. Um, it doesn't really serve much purpose to have Billy Boy kicked out right now. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I think. The mall rats already know they have enough marks against them. So they really don't have any, they have no call to suddenly start saying, oh, well, you're troublemakers and you do this and do that. Remember, they're trying to stay in charge. And um, anybody can be like, oh, really? We're the problem? (laughs) Should I bring up all the stuff that you've been doing and how you've been abusing your power over us? And I get it. Like, let him come and, you know, let Lex know. Like, dude, just give him a chance. If he messes up again, then there's no argument that he can't come to the marketplace again, you know. Uh, But, yeah, we're really not in a position to be throwing stones at anybody, you know what I'm saying? And um, especially since I'm sure a lot of the reason Lex doesn't want Billy Boy there is it's more personal than anything else, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) Because he can't out-scam him. And the truth is, when you're the supervisor or the manager, you can't be reactionary when a customer or somebody acts up, you have to be professional. And Lex has problems with being professional. And, you know, Bray is basically his CEO telling him, I know you don't like this, but this is part of your job. And um, you have to think of the bigger picture. So I, I'm not against letting them in at all. I'm against refusing them in. Just, yeah, I, I would want to keep an eye on these guys. I, I just really wouldn't want them out there, especially if Lex says, well, these guys are trouble, you know, because if Lex says someone's actual trouble, then it might be worth keeping an eye on them. Well, if that's the case, and they just shouldn't be allowed in at all. We don't have to, anyone that we fear, we don't have to necessarily have to always keep them on a good side. Yeah, but if in this case, they see the Chosen as their main threat. So you want as much people on your side of that issue as you can get. You don't want people you see as potential troublemakers to join the other side. It's kind of interesting because the from the scene we see later when Bray visits um, Billy Boy, it does kind of play up that it's more a Lex problem because the way that Billy Boy shows that he's disciplined the, the tribe member in, in that was involved in the incident and that he was kind of mm-hmm. really willing to want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. It does kind of hint that it was more of a personal thing to Lex than they are really, that they are really trouble. You see what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah, it's definitely a personal thing, but as someone who's, who runs security, I would assume that they focus more on their instincts of street smarts rather than just, 
on principle. Mm, yeah, but you have to think of who the person is in charge of security. What principles does he have? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely none, which is why I'm four legs in this situation. <laughs> I mean, if it would have just been Alice with no ulterior motive to please Lex, saying that, no, we should really should not let these guys in, then I might have felt differently, but it's Lex. And, you know, if they really were a danger to the mall rats, Lex would have said they're worse than Tribe Circus. And he didn't, so... Mm. If I'd had a reason to understand what Billy, what Billy Boy and his crew had done... Mm-hmm to justify Lex not wanting him there, which is why I felt like I missed an episode, then I think it would be easier to see what Lex is pointing out, you know? But um, since all he says is he's trouble, and I know Lex, and I know how he frames things, mm-hmm. I can't just I can't just trust that Billy Boy's crew is trouble. You know what I mean? Like, I can't trust when Lex says that. I have to look at the bigger picture, which is why I can understand why Bray went to talk to Billy Boy himself. Mm-hmm. And um, and as Lance had put it, pointed out, he saw that Billy Boy was perfectly capable of having a reasonable conversation about the situation, had handled whatever his people had done wrong in the altercation. And so, you know, leader to leader, Bray was like, okay, I get it. You're not really a problem. There was just a misunderstanding that happened, you know, and um, it sounds like more like Lex had a reactionary, um, you know, like, to the situation like he was just a little more emotional about whatever happened and i also don't know how involved lex was in that altercation i know lex mm. he and i know that he's just as capable of being the one who started it you know so um mm-hmm. and i right now i can't exactly trust alice's judgment either nope. so she's backing <laughs> lex i don't know if it's because she witnessed this altercation and knows for a fact that lex is in the right or if it's just that She's enamored with Lex right now, and everything he says is gold. And so I'm, yeah, like, uh, I, you know, I get it. It is your authority, Lex. But again, if you're going to be in this situation, be supervisor, you got to be professional. And I can't always trust your judgments. Is it true? What? You heard me. Is what true? Did you ask Alice out on a date? Oh, calm down, Tysan. It's enough for me to go around. Don't play games. Did you or didn't you? Well, even if I did, it's none of your business, is it? I'm making it my business. Why, Tysan? Because Alice is my friend. She's in love with you. You know that. Oh, get out of here. Why are you doing this? You're gonna hurt her. Okay, let's stick with Lex, because later on, Lex accidentally agrees to go on a date with Alice, thinking she wants to discuss how to counter Bray and Danny's plans. Tyson fans out and immediately confronts Lex, who says that he has no intentions whatsoever of going out on the date. And Tyson angrily tells him that he can't just stand Alice up and instead must let her down gently. Um, so yeah, panel, how did you feel about the setup up to this date, Lex's attitudes and kind of Tyson's involvement in everything? Well, I will say that these kind of romantic uh, misunderstandings are not my favorite. <laughs> I don't really care for them. This is a reason they happen, though. I didn't say they don't. I said they're not my favorite. I don't care for them. This is why I don't watch romantic comedies or anything like that. That being said, I think this one's done pretty well, especially when you consider all the people involved. It felt reasonably realistic that it got here <laughs> even if it was a little cringy to watch 
for me personally. Just a little like, oh my gosh, I already see where this is going. From the minute she starts talking and you're watching the both of them and you know they're not having the same conversation and they're either ignorant or like willfully ignoring the point the other person is making and as you know it's it's hard for me to watch but it's not badly written you know Mm. see i i just feel really bad for alice but if i watch it i'm like yeah i've been in that position so i just feel so so bad for her for just she wants to interpret it this way because this is what she wants it to be this is what she's hoping it is and she's just projecting that hope into what she hears so she's drawing conclusions that she should not draw based on that tiny glimmer of hope uh, after what happened in the barn yeah there's just nothing but a lot of miscommunication happening and i love it of course <laughs> i feel bad for the both of them i especially felt bad for lex in the moment that he realizes what he's just agreed to because there's a mm. scene right before she says the word date and you can see that Lex is basically checked out of their conversation. Like, if you just freeze it, he's not, his eyes are somewhere else, and he's, like, chewing on his fingernail. Just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, as far as he's concerned, it's just, I'm doing something with my buddy. I've got other things on my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's only when she says the word date, he's like, wait, what did I just say yes to? Holy crap. And now he's, like, he's scrambling because what what does he say? What does he say? And I have been in Lex's position quite a few times and um i've had friends that i'm like i i it's scary to even be nice to them because you start to get the inkling that they might want something from you you know more than the friendship but you're like well they can like me i don't have to like them back we can still be friends it's not a big deal but then you're tiptoeing around giving them the wrong impression all the time and how easily anything you say any nice thing you do could be misconstrued I've actually had to not be friends with certain people anymore because of that, because there was just no way we could toe the line because they wanted so badly to read into everything between us. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I can't be your friend without accidentally making you think that there's something happening here, mm-hmm. you know? And so I felt for him in that moment, like, and with Alice, I was like, honey, come on, there's being confident. And then there's just like bulldozing your way into a relationship. You know, and that's not, it doesn't even proper etiquette. Like, like, whoa, whoa. It's not even being confident. It's just severe wishful thinking. It's reading way too much into it because this guy that she likes has finally paid attention to her in a way most guys probably didn't. It's not that level of confidence because, you know, yes, he's confident about other things, but. When it comes to Lexi, just so badly wants this to be reality to have found her Prince Charming. Honestly, if it was someone other than Alice, it would feel manipulative. But I, I know that's not Alice, so I know that's not the case. But when you think about what happened here, yeah, like she basically tell you know ask somebody, hey, you know, suggest we get together and do something, and she suggests it as though it's a casual thing. Yes, mm-hmm. and so they agree to the casual thing, and only once she gets the agreement does she mention it's a date. So if it were anyone else but Alice, that would feel like a trap. Like, wait a minute, you know. And it, like, you know, making someone agree to someone to something without telling them what it actually is mm-hmm. until they've already agreed. It's like sending someone your wedding invitation, getting them to RSVP, and then telling them they have to pay for their plate. That's, you know what I mean? But again, I know that's not what Alice is doing. 
But if it weren't anyone but her, I'd be like, ooh, not cool, dude. Not cool. That's not how you get yourself a date. But I know that's not what she's doing. It's cringy. I'm just saying. As much as I love Alice, this is cringe. Yeah. Like, oof. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Like, even middle school me is like, yeah, don't do it like that, man. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, she's... She's a definition of one of those people that are like, oh, yeah, I don't need like a relationship. I don't need this or that. Like, should never change yourself or whatever. And in the moment they get in a relationship, they completely change. They don't talk to their friends. They're doing things they don't even want to do. I mean, I mean, and yeah, what did you think of the idea that Lex was just going to stand her up? Oh, <laughs> sounds so Lex. Like, I wasn't surprised at all. <laughs> Of course he would, but I just wanted to... Uh. Actually, I think it said something about Lex and how he feels about Alice, because I feel like a past Lex would have gone to the date just to see if he could get something out of it. Yeah, yeah. or just laugh if it had been you know I, mean? I feel like a past Lex would have ridden this to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Because there's something he could gain from it. You know, there are plenty of people who will do this because either they want your money or maybe they want something mm-hmm. physical from you. And I feel like season one Lex would have done that, you know, or before he would have just said immediately as soon as she said the word date, like date, I'm not going on a date with you. So I do think it says something that Lex is, he's willing to piss her off this way rather than go and take advantage of her, mm-hmm. you know, say something mean to her face. He's willing to like, she's going to think I'm a dick. But I'd rather that than have to tell her to her face and see her face. Easier to make her hate me than hurt her another way. You know what I mean? Like, if she hates me, it won't hurt because she already hates me. But if I have to tell her, I just thought that was interesting. A coping mechanism for Lex. Because I don't think an old Lex would have even bothered to think, be, to put that much thought into it. Well, the way he eventually goes on to just tell her he wants to keep it quiet. And of course, the way Alice interprets But I mean, him telling her to keep it quiet is like him protecting her from further embarrassing herself, not just him. It's like if others don't know, then they won't think badly of Alice for misinterpreting this. That's true. Yeah. When I was a kid, that would have been a first red flag. Us girls would have known. I mean, a boy didn't want anyone to know that you'd kissed behind the wreck building. (laughs) Like you knew immediately that was a red flag. And your girlfriends would tell you, like, you'd run back to them and be like, guess who I kissed back there? But he told me not to tell anyone. And that would be your friends would be like, oh, it means he's embarrassed. He's not even to know, man. Get out of there. <laughs> it means he has someone else he doesn't want to, want to hear this. Exactly. Yeah. It means he's a nice guy and he just doesn't <laughs> want people in his business. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> the case. Because I, I've pulled the don't tell anyone either trick. I've done it myself. And that's just because I didn't want anyone to know that I was off the dating pool because I was still exercising my options. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're so cute, Craig, but don't tell anyone we kissed under the bridge. Don't you tell anyone, I swear I'll kill you. You know, and it's just because I was like, I'm still on the market. I don't want to settle on Craig. <laughs> Usually a red flag. Rarely anything good can come out of the other partner saying, let's not tell anyone. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, it can. Rarely. That's usually if one of them is still dating someone else. <laughs> and yeah, just to wrap up, like, uh, what were your thoughts on Lex kind of clocking on that Tysan is kind of more involved in just looking out for her friend? 
That was interesting. Hmm. Ah, the smirk he had when he told her, I didn't know you cared so much. (laughs) His smirk was just... (laughs) I really like it because Lex hasn't been paying much attention to Tyson lately. You know, they have a status quo. Mm -hmm. And um, this is the first time he's looked at Tyson and noticed something about her in quite some Mm -hmm. time. You know, um, because she always was on his radar. He... He never, I didn't feel Lex ever really got over her rejection. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like Tysan got under Lex's skin differently than other females had. She's the only one who rejected him that he wasn't cruel to. Who never, He never talked bad about her uh, or wanted revenge on her for rejecting him the way he has been with other females. And he just, he didn't take it well when Tysan was like, sorry, I don't want you, whatever, get lost. It, it stayed with him. But it's been a while since he's looked at her and actually thought about her in any you know deep way so for him to notice in this moment that wait a minute why is she so involved why is she paying attention why does she care about this this is the first time she gets back on his radar i, I thought that was interesting and the dynamic immediately shifts between these two mm-hmm. they have had very little going on between them until this moment it's almost like this is the moment it the spark catches it's so very sudden for both of them <laughs> to be on each other's radar this way. Yeah, there's just something very interesting about this moment. They haven't even been in close quarters like this alone in ages or like really talk to each other. Holy crap. It's been a long time. And so it's a moment they got back together in the same space, having a conversation and there's a passion come off, you know, He's never seen her this passionate about anything before. Like, she's really emotional about this. And mm-hmm. it's just interesting. Like, ooh, someone lit the torch. Boom. It was that quick for these two. Because mm-hmm. I don't doubt for a second they walked away from that moment noticing an attraction to each other. Yep. Even if it was just deep in their subconscious, they, it was there. <laughs> it was there. Uh, I, I, I have to add one little thing to this whole Lex and Tyson part, though. Because... You know, later in this episode, we see Bray just making a comment to Lex about it. And it's it's so satisfying <laughs> to just have Bray stare at Lex and go, yeah, you know, I know about you and Alice. Enjoy your date. You know, that, that kind of, that, it's just the look on Lex's face and on Bray's face. It's perfect. See, I kind of hated that because <laughs> like Bray was like trying to shame him and yeah, I don't know, maybe I was interpreting it wrong, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it. <laughs> no, I'm with you, Lance. I didn't like it either. I, I felt, once again, the narrative and the writers turning the idea of someone being into Alice as a joke. Yeah. I didn't like that. Like, why should yeah. Bray immediately be like, haha, this is going to be hilarious and I can hang, I can hold this over Lex's head. Why would that be his first reaction to finding out that they're going on a date? And that Lex would like to keep it on the DL. You know what I mean? Why? Sh- it just, it's, it's almost like it's common knowledge. He shouldn't want to go out with her. I just, and you yeah, know, I, I, I don't like that at all. Yeah. For, for me, it was more just like, uh, or, you know, Bray even having just, you know, telling him that he knows that Lex is trying to keep this secret and he's just rubbing it. Yeah. For me, it felt <laughs> like Bray just rubbing it in his face that he knows what's going on. It never felt specifically about Alice to me. It was more the, oh, Lex, I know something you don't want me to know kind of thing. Yeah, pretty uh, messed up of Bray. 
I just wish it all could have been handled a little better. Um, maybe I'm just being a little too sensitive for Alice's sake, but it just, I don't know, it just kind of feels like Alice gets played as the butt of the joke in this arc and the silly girl who should have known better. Mm-hmm. And and as much as I love Lex and Tysan, and I do, like they're my original OTP and I still ship them and I still have mm-hmm. wonderful things to say about that relationship. I do wish that 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 relationship didn't have to come at the expense yeah. of Alice's storyline. I, I wish there was another way she and Lex could have resolved their situation rather than Alice, you know, her, her Alice as yeah. a romantic partner basically being almost shamed because, well, there's a better romantic partner. Look at her compared to Tyson. It just, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's yeah. what the writers are doing. Just, that's a side Yeah, no, it, it, it does feel that way. It's just, for me, Bray's comment didn't come across that way, I guess. But that's I'm not defending people shaming Alice. Far mm. from it. Oh, no, no, I know what you mean, honey. I totally do. I, it, mm. I get it. Um, I just, I understand. I'm just saying, like, it left bad taste in my mouth because of that overarching crap. Like, by itself, it's kind of cute. It's kind of funny watching Bray be so amused by this. But I, I can't detach from the overall crap yeah that's just me but i'm not trying to make you feel bad for enjoying that moment <laughs> I, I just felt bad for, for i i mean i feel bad in this episode for alice i just i enjoyed bray finally having something to say back to to lex for once <laughs> and i was like "Ooh, it can think for itself but but that that's because i yeah i don't really think that um Bray thinks badly of Alice. It's the way it's all put together. Mm. Like the, it's almost like the sum of the sum of its parts are better than the whole. Like the parts mm-hmm. individually are actually quite good, but when you put them all together, you you get an <laughs> unintended dist- message. I guess is what happens. Tyson's involvement, that moment, it just kind of caught my attention. Mm-hmm. How passionate she is here. And again, we will see in future that because Tyson didn't have a great deal of experience caring about people until she met Alice, that once she does care about people, she tends to get a, a li- go a little overboard in how involved she is in trying to help them. I mean, guardian anyone? She is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was watching and I was thinking to myself, I was trying to put myself in her place. What would I do if it were my friend? Because part of me is thinking... Uh, Tyson, I do think you're getting a little too involved. You know, like if you were my kid, I might tell you to back off, you know, because you can't, you know, dictate for other people what is best for them. And sometimes people have to learn their lessons. You already warned her that you think it might be a bad idea, but now you have to let it go. So, you know, I'm like looking at it like, is she going too far? Well, how would I advise her? What would I do if it were me at that age? Would I feel the need to get involved? And as much as I don't, want to give her ulterior motives. You guys know I don't because I defend her to <laughs> the mm-hmm. end and back. I can't help but wonder if this level of involvement, what would have pushed me to get this involved? Like, I, I kind of wonder if there's a little bit more there. Well, I, I can tell you this, Liz. I have been disinvolved with other people when someone liked a friend of mine. Surprise, and surprise. There, there was no ulterior motive there. There was I wasn't after the guy in question at all. 
No, see, if it were Amber, then it would feel, I wouldn't think there was an ulterior motive because Amber was always involved in everything and everyone's mm-hmm. business because that was Amber. But because mm-hmm. Tyson does not do this for everyone, I just couldn't help but feel like, mm, if this were me, <laughs> I would be like, I'd have to ask myself, why do I care this much? <laughs> Why do I need to be in the middle of this? Why do I need to, why do I feel the need to step in and dictate how this should go? And then I get, I mean, it likely is innocent, but I'm just saying, even though she my girl, Tyson, Tyson, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Maybe it's subconscious. I, I'm pretty sure Tyson has an ulterior motive here. You can just see it by the look on her face. It's not so much an ulterior motive, but I wonder if she doesn't realize there's something else fueling her actions. Yeah, she's jealous. Another, yeah, like another emotion that she's not even aware of. Mm. That's, you know, pushing her to be this passionately involved. Of course, again, it could totally be innocent. Alice is her friend. She wants to protect her. She doesn't trust Lex not to hurt her. Fine. No, that's not it. But, uh, just saying... It, it did make me go, what's going on, honey? You feel you feeling some feelings? <laughs> she clearly just wants something she can't have. That's not yeah. true. She totally can have it. <laughs> yep. She can't have it right now. Well, she could totally have it right now. She could have had it at any time. And what's the problem? Why don't you just take it? If, if she just would have gone, come and lie with me, love, he would have. It's No, it's not a thing she can't get. It's things she can't get without hurting Alice, though. And right now, I don't think Tyson wants to admit to herself that he's not just butting in for Alice. Well, then she can't get it in a moral uh, way of not hurting anyone. Yeah. She can't get it. Again, I do want it clear. I do not think she is consciously doing anything wrong. I'm just wondering if there's a subconscious emotion she's just not aware of that's fueling her actions. <laughs> you know, what? it's funny you say that. I just saw like a quote for someone said in like psychologists, like people know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not all the time. I mean, I was gonna say, yeah, the, the way she marched in the browbeat <laughs> 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 him down is like, what are um, you doing with that? Is like, uh, yeah, I think, I think she knew at that point. <laughs> but uh, and and she knows that she has him wrapped around her little finger, and she can tell him what to do. I don't think she realizes that. I don't think she's given it any thought in a long time. I don't think she realizes how much Lex liked her because when he tells her later, she's kind of surprised. Mm. I don't know. I guess it's debatable, but what she knows, what she doesn't know. But anyway, yeah, it's just an interesting scene. And I was like, Ooh, sparks are flying. I see them already. This is inevitable. <laughs> In a lot of ways, it's kind of like the kind of Dow, Jack and Ellie situation. Um, it's going like, to kind of destroy this friendship. That's about that. We've kind of seen that's happening between Alice and Tyson. Well, it seems that that's the only way the writers know how to create drama in these interpersonal relationships. They have these deep friendships, people super close, and then they don't know what to do with them to create drama. So they always involve a romantic rival. Mm. But that just seems to be, now granted, they will always do this forever and always. And it's just been their thing from the day this show started. Now, granted, these romantic entanglements are better written in the earlier seasons. As silly as they may be, they at least reflect a good sense of reality and the characters are well thought out and we care about everybody involved. Obviously, later seasons won't put that much thought into the same crap that we're seeing right now. 
you know, it will be the same stuff. Good friends destroyed by some stupid love interest. Let's fight about this. Now we hate each other. And we won't put any effort into making you care about these people or exploring the nuance. As love triangles go, Lex, Paisan, and Alice is definitely one of the better written ones because you can sympathize with everyone. You can care about everyone and nobody's truly the bad guy. It's just an unfortunate circumstance that people get into sometimes, you know, and um, mm -hmm. this is a nice manual. It's something that young people can relate to mm -hmm. how easily you can find yourself destroying your own friendships over a love interest you didn't intend to you didn't want to it was an accident you don't know how to get out of it can't control your feelings but it doesn't make you a villain i, I don't know but clearly that's all the writers know how to do yeah it's just a classic uh soap opera trope that the these writers uh go to all the time they fall back on it too much for drama you know they're like oh we need something to happen we need something to shake this up and it's Gee, let me roll the dice. What's it going to be? Love interest, you know? Hmm. Yeah, we have six options. It's love triangle for for 100 points. And <laughs> all the other options are just, you know, a roll of the die. Let's see what it is. That would actually be great if it was like a three dice thing. And then one dice says like romance, death, <laughs> or whatever. And then the other two dice are just everyone's names. <laughs> Kiss, marry, or trove a cliff. <laughs> Are you really that scared of Ebony? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once a loco, um, always a loco. Well then, I've got a special assignment for you. Uh, no, no thanks. Wait, me and Bray have been talking. That's what I was afraid of. It could be really useful to have you working at the hotel. Useful to who? To everyone. Jack, do you like Ebony? Uh, no. Okay, and do you trust her? No. And do you really think that she's moved out of the mall so that she can become a better mall rat? No. Okay, well here's your chance to find out for sure. So, meanwhile, Jack spends much of the episode avoiding the militia, admitting to the assembled mall rats that he doesn't want to work for Ebony, or indeed anyone, while Ellie is still outside and potentially in danger. However, when Danny explains to him the plan to install a microphone at the hotel so they can keep tabs on Ebony, he changes his mind. Um, so yeah, panel, I know we don't have much sympathy for Jack, mm -hmm. but um, how do you feel about his treatment in this episode um, and his kind of development? That poor boy, they just, <laughs> he's a pawn. He has no say in what he's allowed to do because the bigger kids are bullying him around, even though he's around their age. <laughs> and they're just telling him, Jack, do this, Jack, do that. It's it's like he has no say on what he wants to do. And yeah, I, I do feel bad for that. And yeah, it's the downside of him knowing to do certain things. But come on, it, it's supposed to be a tribe, not a, hey, Jack, you're our slave. Go do this. You go where we tell you to go. It's just, no, that, that went too far, according to me. I agree. Like, I don't have much empathy or sympathy for Jack most of the time, but I don't like the way he's being treated. Like, he's not even a person. He's just an object to be traded for use. And I just want to say, Jack, honey, recognize your own power. They need you. You get to sit. You can just sit in your room and be like, yeah, you want me to do this? This is what I want in exchange. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could be making demands, Jack, honey. I don't know how much of it is his youth his uh, inexperience, his lack of self-esteem in himself, or 
just his wanting to be useful and please people, you know, um, but sweetie, sit down and know your worth. Okay. You're talented. Don't give it away for free. These people have no right to be just directing you all over the place. They're saying, they think it's funny. Jack tells them, I'm afraid of Ebony. And they're like, you're not afraid of her? Like, it's so silly. Like, mm. it's almost as, as if they think he's afraid she'll bully him. And I'm like, maybe he's afraid she'll try to kill him like she already did in this mall. What is wrong with you people? Like, he has legit reason to not want to be alone with her. Yeah. And you're just, like, laughing at him. Like, <laughs> oh, Jack, there's no monsters in the closet, you silly boy. And I find it so odd, you know, when Ebony tried to take Dell as a slave in season one, it was so wrong. But Jack, ah, oh, well, he's useful, but we'll just send him with the Wicked Witch. It was a way to play for laughs. <laughs> yeah, it's just, and I get that he's hiding and it's, it is in character for Jack because, you know, he hides when things get scary, but, and we'll see that later on again, but. It's just, yeah, I, I feel bad for him. And imagine what someone like Jack could have done if he did have the confidence of, um, well, basically the confidence of Ram. Yeah. The confidence <laughs> of a serial killer. <laughs> oh, that Ram. <laughs> All he was missing was sex appeal, and he got that in season five. <laughs> yeah, so I felt, I felt bad for Jack. Yeah. I did I did like that. Jack changed his mind the moment he saw that microphone. Though. Well, it's it's made clear that he didn't quite understand his point of being there. Yeah, you know, like I don't think Bray had made it very clear to him. Yeah, that's not bad. You're going there to spy on her. That's why we're sending you there to help her, so you can keep an eye on her. You know, I don't think Jack quite understood that till he sees the mic and goes, "Oh, I'm on a secret mission. I'm Tom Cruise." <laughs> yeah, because they never told him that. What is wrong with you guys? <laughs> I mean, especially with Jack, you have to spell it out for him. And yeah, they, they do a crappy job at doing that at first. Then again, apparently Bray didn't spell it out for Danny either. Yeah. Because it's not until he shows her the mic that she goes, oh, I knew there was a reason. Like, he didn't tell you the reason. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? Yeah, no communication whatsoever. In, in all fairness... I was finally happy that Bray came up with something on his own without Danny spelling it out for him. Mm -hmm. I remember, he's, he sucked out he's her power. He's the one yeah. with the ideas <laughs> and the confidence to see them through. She just stays home now and babysits. She doesn't get to do anything. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He got the Mario star. <laughs> and especially, he, he finds this tiny microphone to spy on Ebony. How on earth did Bray know where to find that and that it would work with what Jack has? Exactly. Why does Bray suddenly have a brain again? Did they re re did he recover from his concussion? Finally? Yeah. Come on, Rogers. You had to have noticed the way you've written this guy. <laughs> Danny boinked some sense senses the guy again. He's taking one for the team. Poor Danny has been relegated to a grief bang. Uh, you realize that, right? Yep. Oh my gosh, this poor girl deserved so much better. For the good of the yeah. tribe. Oh. <laughs> I just wonder if the writers are, was this on purpose? Were they aware of how they were writing Bray and how jarring it would be? Like, you can't, come on, how could you be writing him? In se season one, Bray is 
reluctant to do the things he needs to do, but he does them. Mm-hmm. And he shows that he's capable and he has ideas and all that stuff. And he can stand on his own two feet. It's just a matter of what he wants to get involved in. That's what, you know, Bray Rock, he lacked inspiration in season one. That was his biggest problem. They had to have noticed that in season two, they wrote him as pretty useless. And okay, maybe that's due to his grief. That's fine. But didn't they, they couldn't have missed the fact that once he's with Danny, nom, 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 and then he's fine. They couldn't have missed that. Come on. There's no way someone read that and said, oh, he's, he's normal again now. Like, <laughs> What is the message here? <laughs> no, I, I agree. I find it hard to believe that they didn't, they couldn't realize how this would come across. <sighs> Come on. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of fear that's what you get when you have a lot of different writers, though. Now I'm picturing people in the writing room knowing they set certain things up for the next crop of writers and not filling them in. Like, <laughs> they have no idea. <laughs> they have no idea what this yeah. looks like. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that's the, even, that's, that's the basics. Like, you, you, you know, when you're picking this stuff up, you know, like, where the character's been, what the general headspace is at, and where they need to go next. That's like, how could they not know? <laughs> this is how this character is now going to come across by doing this. Mm. I don't know. It's just. I know. <laughs> Maybe it was a private joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, I mean, since we're on it, I mean, I did read a lot of comments. Like, how, how odd was it that Trudy was bathing Casey? Oh, <laughs> and that comments of her with a, Casey, I'm a mother, I've seen it all. I was but you have a baby girl, where did you see it all, honey? I think it's a hint that the baby she has mm-hmm. is a male. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think this is just a matter of control. You know what I mean? One of the things that narcissistic parents do with their children is ignore boundaries. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware of uh, Jeanette McCurdy. She just wrote a book called I'm Glad My Mom Died. And uh, it's about the abusive relationship she discovered she had with her mother after her mother's death. And um, one of the things, for example, her mother would do, she had complete control over Jeanette's body. Even though Jeanette was at an age where that used to part to have those boundaries with your children. And she would bathe, she would insist on bathing Jeanette far into her teenage years. And of course, Jeanette has no real reference as to whether this is okay or normal. This is her mother. She loves her, but she hated it. But her mother insisted on doing it to her. It was her way of exerting that control over Jeanette because Jeanette was simply an extension of herself. And when I think about Trudy and the way the guardian already was with her and what her life with the chosen must have been like, this is a form of control and abuse. Mm -hmm. This is a boundary. She should not be doing this with KC. KC's not four years old. He does not require help getting cleaned up after falling in the sewer. No one would have even helped the girls get cleaned up in season one. It's not necessary. They know how. But the fact that Trudy's insistent on this, the fact that she ignores Casey's, you know, please, can I have some frickin' privacy? I'm 10. I'm 11 years old. I do not need you to be doing this for me. And her ignoring those boundaries, like, I'm a mother, I can do this. It really feels like once they've let out the secret, they've let the secret out. We know Trudy's not with us. We know she's with the Chosen now. Mm -hmm. They are really letting the crazy show. They are letting that abusive nature come out. Mm -hmm. That's what this felt like to me. It was a form of control. Because if this is what was done to Trudy, she is now doing it to others. And uh, I felt bad for her. I really did feel bad for Casey. Because I'm like, this is seriously creepy. 
you know, she's not only doing this to him against his will, but the girls are right there watching him. Yeah. I'm like, what is up with this emotional abuse? This should not be happening. <laughs> Jeez. Ooh, made me very uncomfortable. And I love the clue that, she, of course, she's seen it because her baby's a boy. I mean, I, I just love that little part. But also that, you know, the girl's talking back to her. For, Pat's first going, oh, but I want to stay. She's like, no, you're not. <laughs> Let him stay. It's like. She's actually talking to these kids as their as as if she is their mother, their supreme mother. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a little cringy, yeah. even just to watch, you know, considering Casey's age and she's washing him. You guys, mm-hmm. she's washing him. We've never seen this before ever because all these kids are old enough to do it themselves. Yeah, it's really uncomfortable. But I did feel a bit bad for Casey. I did too. That was <laughs> embarrassing to watch. Whose idea was that? Was it Trudy's idea? It was obviously Trudy's idea. Casey does not want to be there. Okay, so that was Trudy's idea. This is why I think, or this, I guess it's a theory talk. This is why I believe that Chloe and Passy never looked at Casey more than just... Uh, he was a sibling. Yeah, a, a sibling or just lesser than a sibling, I guess, because that's just ins- extremely embarrassing to go through, especially if two other girls are just watching you get bathed. I, I think Patsy's just in the state of mind of, oh, I just want to do anything that Trudy does because he's my hero. And Chloe is just, you know, Chloe even says she doesn't want to be there. <laughs> Not really. I don't. <laughs> She's revolted. <laughs> She's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Where is he? He, he didn't want to come back. Is he still looking for the Chosen? No. He had it for the Rangers. To make a fresh start. That's what he said. You mean he's never coming back? Not ever. So yeah, outside of the city, Ellie admits defeat in her quest to find out more about the Chosen and decides to go back. But Ryan is reluctant to return and after confiding Ellie that Celine is in love with Bray, he decides to leave and make a fresh start away from the mall on his own. So yeah, panel, let's start with that first of all. What do you make of Ryan's decision here to just leave everything and everyone behind? If that's exactly what he was doing, he was really just going to start his life someplace else. I wouldn't think it was a terrible thing. I think it's sad that things had gotten so bad that he had to leave his old life behind to find any sort of peace somewhere else. But I'd be like, it's still healthy, recognizing that what you're leaving behind is so toxic, you can't fix it. And that this is good for you. You need to leave it. You need to get away from it. As sad as that is, sometimes that's your only option. But the fact that Ryan isn't actually talking about starting over, it's depressing. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, he just says that so that Ellie won't follow him or try to stop him. He's putting his friend at ease. I'm just going to start over and, you know, all that stuff. He doesn't want her to worry about him. Even now, Ryan's thinking of someone else. Don't want you to worry about it. Don't want you to stop me. I want you to go home and get safe, not follow me or anything like that. And so it's like, if he was actually doing what he said he was doing, I'd be like, Good for you, Ryan. I know this is hard, but sometimes that's what a person needs to do. But because he's not, oh my gosh, this is horrifying. It it would have been really good for Ryan to just, you know, get away from everything, start over. And in all honesty, I feel 
worse about the fact that he would have to leave Chloe behind than about the fact that Salim wouldn't get to see him again. You know, I, I think Ryan would be happier elsewhere at this point in time. But yeah, and knowing what's on his mind, it's just, it scares me. And I felt so, so bad. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for him. Um, I feel bad for him because there's just a lack of communication, mm-hmm. especially on Celine's part. And then for how Ryan to understand how Celine feels, because he clearly just thinks that he's the problem and he's the one that's causing her to be sad. And he feels that, if, you know, if you can just completely leave the picture, everything will be better. But I don't think uh, that's the, the point of the entire situation that he's getting. Yeah, but I mean, he realizes that the best thing he can do is leave, you know, and that that, that means he realizes that, you know, things are not going to change if he returns. Well, it's not just that he doesn't think things will change. It's that Ryan, for some reason, has taken it upon himself. He's the one who has to fix this. It never occurs to Ryan that he only <laughs> shares part of the blame. You know what I mean? That, yeah, he has a fault in this argument. He did try to make up for it, though. He did try to acknowledge his fault. He did try to apologize. Ryan lacks the awareness that this is a two-party blame game here. You both really messed up in how you handled this argument. But Ryan was the only one trying to fix it. And yet he takes all the blame and just assumes, because I can't fix it, that, you know, there's nothing I can go back to. There's no fixing this at all. He never once considers that Celine might also be to blame. That's what I think is really sad, that he doesn't act, recognize that, you know, that, no, Ryan, you are not to blame for this entire thing. Yes, you shared your part in the argument with Celine, and then you tried to fix your part. You've been trying to fix this, but it wasn't solely your responsibility to fix this. Your partner just has left you hanging, you know, and it's it's really sad for someone to think Oh, it, it was up to me. I was the one who to fix it and I can't fix anything. So that's it, you know, and like, no, you weren't the only one who was supposed to be trying to fix this. Yeah, but I, I'm not entirely sure that he completely feels that it's all on him. I think also realizes that because he Celine's in love with Bray, that he, he can't be there anymore. He cannot watch her be in love with someone else mm-hmm. at this point. because. That's for him. That's the constant confirmation that he's not good enough for her. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But the saddest thing is that Ryan can do so much better. <laughs> oh yeah, he could. I won't lie. This is something I can't relate to. Um, maybe I've always just been too arrogant. <laughs> so, but I've never felt like ending it because of someone I couldn't have, someone not loving me. Um, I would never give them the satisfaction. Maybe I'm too petty. I don't know. Maybe that's it. But so it's hard for me to relate to that. Even though I know this is common, I know this is very common, especially among young people to, if I can't have this person and they don't love me, I have nothing to live for. Uh, And so it's equal. It's even more depressing to watch because even my younger self is like, what are you doing? They're not worth all this. Your, your life is so important. Why would you throw it away? Because you can't have them. What makes them so special? You know? And, it, it's I can't imagine being in that headspace because my head is too big and I feel bad for anyone who's ever felt like that. Like I can't have that person. So, you know, I'm going to end it. And it's like, 
are you crazy? Why would you do that? You know, you're so much better than that. And it's so sad. And I can't imagine thinking that way. And he is not the first one on the show to feel that way, that he has to end it all over a person that doesn't love them. I know, but I feel like Trudy's situation was way more complicated. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't just Bray. It was, she'd just given birth. She's got all these hormones. She's going with, you know, postpartum depression. And I feel like it was way more than just Bray, you know? Yeah. But for Ryan, it's a long history of not feeling worthy of being appreciated, of being loved, or even being someone's friend. So, yeah, I, I feel bad for the guy. And for anyone listening, if you do have thoughts like that, please contact your local help center. And no, no, it's just not true. It's not true. Mm-hmm. It is not. It's not true. You know what I mean? It's like, do not let those thoughts take over. You know what I mean? It will not be better if you're gone, because that means you lose any opportunity for life to get better, especially because you have so much life to live. And a wise man once told me, you have good years and you have bad years. You know, do not let those bad years stop you from experiencing those good years. This poor kid, I swear to God. What I really like about this moment, I thought was actually quite thoughtful, is it's completely understandable that Ellie doesn't pick up on where his headspace is, despite spending days with him and knowing he's depressed. Knowing he's, I mean, he's not been hiding it from her. But in that moment, she doesn't think anything of it. She's just like, oh, he's leaving us? Ryan, don't go. And But it, no alarm bells go off in her head. You know, and I think that's really important because for so many of us who have known someone who has chosen to do it this way, we may not have seen the bells ringing right in our face. Bing, 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 bing. I know personal experience. I didn't see them, you know, and I consider myself quite perceptive, but I did not see them. And I, I thought that was well done. Yeah. How, you know, many of us miss the signs and don't even realize that this is what this person plans on doing, you know, and how they Mm -hmm. try to protect us from ever finding out, you know, and she's just thinking it's sad that he won't come home. Okay, you know, make your own decision. She didn't even cross her mind that he might hurt himself, you know. And and then, yeah, I I get it. And then I get so annoyed at Celine. I mean, dang. So he's leaving and now you're upset? Seriously? Well, of course she would be upset. You know, there's the narcissist that is about to lose their fuel. And yeah, um, your sa- and her safety net. <laughs> and a narcissist only cares about, they have to be the one to discard you. It can't be mm. the other way around. You're not allowed to leave until they don't want you anymore. But even beyond that, let's just say Celine wasn't a narcissist. Let's just call this a bubble. ignore everything else about Celine. Ignore everything else. I know people who have allowed their anger over conflict with their partner to blow over so badly that they forgot they even loved their partner until something huge happens. And then they're just like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize. I mean, every disaster movie has this trope. The couple that's estranged and then it's only because of the disaster they realize that they truly love each other. Like this is a common romantic trope um, that gets used. People like they let all their stupid differences come between them until things get serious. And then suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, I truly love you. And I just took you for granted and didn't realize it. So even if she wasn't a narcissist, 
this would have this could easily happen. People do it all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say there there was one moment though with Celine in this episode when she's she's talking to Trudy and she suddenly mentions which way Ryan is apparently going. And you see that fleeting moment of panic in Trudy's eyes with why would he go there? There's nothing to see there, there's nothing there. It's like she she was hinting at okay, the chosen are somewhere around there. He he should not be there. We don't we don't want him to be there, you know? Because that's the vibe it gave off to me that she responded that specifically to that area. Yeah. That that was a very interesting reaction, I think, from Trudy. Yeah. It's exactly like you said, like she, she had Trudy had a lot of knowledge about the area suddenly. <laughs> it did feel mm-hmm. like that was probably a very important area. <laughs> yeah, and then and then going with a huh? Oh no, no, there's nothing there. It's very dangerous. Just emphasizing on how Celine needs to get Ryan away from there because it's oh so dangerous. <sighs> uh, yeah, it is, you know. There's <laughs> tons and tons of chosen lurking about. It had that lovely sense of foreboding. <laughs> I did think it was interesting that Trudy's goal is to simply create a chaotic energy in the mall. Mm-hmm. Because one minute she's almost hinting that <clears throat> Celine should go after Bray because that's who she really wants, you know, poking at that, pulling at that thread. And then, so if that's what she wants, shouldn't she be totally cool that Ryan has left the picture? But instead, now she's pushing Celine back in the direction of Ryan. You know, very heavily insinuating that if you don't go after him, he's going to be in a lot of danger, you know. So I feel like this just Trudy causing discord, you know, wibbly-wobbly discord, which I thought was interesting, especially now that you know you can't trust her. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did consider what you were saying. Why does Trudy suddenly know about this area? This is the same Trudy who, when she went with Dal, didn't really know where she was. She brought a map, but they didn't have a direction. She didn't know what anything was out there. And suddenly she's very knowledgeable about certain areas we've never even heard about. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. And the other thing I find interesting is it is obvious that the Chosen must be back within the city borders or just outside yeah. of them. Because how else did Trudy get back? And how? It, and you know, later we'll see that she's clearly going to see them. They can't still be across the narrow sea. So nope. they must have crossed over. But this is what always blows my mind. <laughs> now, <laughs> and I only, I'm only saying it because Sabine brought up the Chosen. Now, <laughs> how is it that Ellie hears nothing about the Chosen? Not even people saying, yeah, I know, I know about these guys. I've heard about them. I know about strays going to see them. I know about people going to join them, but I don't know where they are. She insinuates that she hears nothing about the Chosen. <laughs> How is that possible? It's not possible. It's just confusing because we will see that later when May returns from having been with the Chosen, Mm -hmm. she speaks freely about that experience. She was able to go and it wasn't a big deal. So she can't be the only person who sought out the Chosen and then left the Chosen and would know something about them. And I'm, I'm just like, how did they keep people quiet? Especially since they're so nearby. How did they do that? What are what is your secret, Jaffa? <laughs> you couldn't stop May from talking about you. So how are you stopping everyone else from talking about you? Plenty of fruitcake. Sorry. I'm just that <laughs> trophy crazy all this week. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
how does nobody know where they are? And that was one question the mall rats never asked Trudy. Where did they keep you? Where were you? Yeah, you you rode off somewhere. Where did they take you? <laughs> Look, it is a younger generation. They don't have any sense of like direction. <laughs> I'm just curious about that. Like nobody asked about the location of these guys. Where did they take you, Trudy? Down the street. <laughs> that brings us to our final thoughts of the episode. So the final scenes is we see an upset Ryan writing a note to Celine before climbing up onto a bridge and looking down. So yeah, panel, uh, what did you make of this ending and Ryan's mental state here? Oh, I was so worried about the poor guy. I was like, Ryan, no, no, don't, don't jump. Very good acting. I think uh, mm-hmm. Ryan did a fantastic job of conveying this emotional turmoil that he was going through. And I liked that it was played very seriously, just like with Trudy's, you know, there was, mm-hmm. um, you know, like respectful camera work and respect to the emotion that a person feels when this is going through their mind. And um, I really did appreciate that because it's a serious topic and not to be made a joke mm-hmm. of or be taken lightly. And it is absolutely crushing to realize you're watching someone at that moment that they honestly don't believe there's any other way to deal with what they are feeling. And yeah, it was, it was just really well shot. And for anybody yeah. who didn't know that Ryan wasn't about to start a new life, now you know what he meant. And I could, I imagine that must have been absolutely shattering for people. Like, wait, what? Ryan, what are you doing? You know? And yeah. <sighs> Well done. Well done. Yeah. Uh, very sad scene. Um, I mean, not really much to say else besides it's sad. But when I was rewatching it, I also noticed the letter. Like, I reread the entire yeah. note that Ryan said. Um, I didn't know his grammar was that bad. It was really hard to read read, read that letter. But his penmanship was nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, who do you think wrote Decent Mother Wanted? No, it's it's a beautifully shot scene. It has that melancholy feel to it, Mm -hmm. the energy. And there is a sense of who is going to stop him. I do like that they make sure that there is a chance someone can because just because they're out in the woods, by the fact that Ellie returns to the mall so quickly, you realize they're not that far from the city they're not that far from the mall because she doesn't have to spend days trudging back they've just been out on the streets for days but they're not days away so i thought that was a nice setup that someone could get to ryan Mm -hmm. in time if they wanted to if they ran or whatever um and the amount of time it took for him to reach the barons ellie had already made it back to the mall and uh i just see the tears rolling down his face as he's writing this letter and still taking the blame and apologizing. And it's like, mm. dude, dude, you know? And just the scenery around him, you know, the, the stones, the water, as he looks down, it's just, it's so peaceful yet threatening. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, beautiful place. I wonder how Ryan knew about the place. He seemed to know exactly where he was going. Or was it just coincidence that he headed in this direction and came upon this and said, this will work? Probably. But why write the letter? Maybe for his own peace of mind. Um, again, I can't 
I want to be very careful here. I don't know what goes through the mind of someone who feels this way, because I never have. But I wonder if it's for themselves to purge what they're feeling and purge why. Or maybe it's the subconscious hope that they will be found by someone, not forgotten, but found by someone who will care enough to know why. Again, I don't know. So I apologize if that's insulting to anybody. I'm just trying to understand. Oh, it's not the, you know, emotional why I was wondering. It's more the, since he's so far away from the mall, it's not like that letter could logically ever get to her. Well, I don't think logic even comes into play at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think just at that point, it was more kind of for himself. Yeah. Like a confirmation that this is what I'm feeling. This is why next nothing's going to change. And then, yeah, just kind of confirmation that he's doing he's doing what he believes he needs to do to make things right. Um, yeah, it's just really sad. And what makes it all the more upsetting is when you contrast this to what Celine says to Trudy, Celine admits she's well aware of how she's been treating Ryan. It's not some mm-hmm. accident. She's, she knows what she's been doing. Mm-hmm. She knows that she could be treating him better. And she says it out loud. Now, I don't think she needed to give him a baby. No, Celine, that's, you don't owe him a child to make him happy. But yeah, you could have been nicer. And you're fully aware that you haven't been kind to this person. For what? For what? You know you've been treating him like garbage. And now you're going to cry because he's not coming back? Like, are you sad that you treated him like garbage? Or are you just sad that you pushed him away? You know, and now he's not coming back to you. And where, who are these tears for? I don't think they're for him. They're certainly for you. You're feeling sorry for yourself. And and yet he's crying and he's thinking of you. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, it's really, it's really upsetting. Very upsetting. Yeah. That she can talk about it like that. Like I could have been nicer to him and I treated him like garbage. And it's like, then why? Why did you do it? Um, yeah, just, just to wrap up, did anyone believe that this could be the end that we'd see the character? Nah. Um, First time I was afraid of it. Uh, I guess first time I was a little on the fence. Be- I don't know if it was because the last um, situation, similar situation to this, there was you know intervention, and um, we hadn't lost anyone in a while. And I I didn't feel like his story was over. I just didn't feel like this is the way they would conclude him in Celine's story. Just as a like a writing, I was like, I don't think they do that in a children's book, like an adult book story. Yeah, I would think that's that happens and that's horrible. But something that's geared at a younger audience, I do not feel that this is how he's gonna go, because I don't think they would conclude he and Celine's story this way. Um, I felt like with the combination of him having told Ellie where he was going, Ellie passing that information on. And then Celine confirm. I mean, you know, Trudy confirming that this is a dead end. I was like, I think Celine's going to go after him, and that's what will, I don't know, like rejuvenate their relationship or create the reconciliation. So yeah, I, I didn't think we were going to lose him right now. That doesn't make it any less well done. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I was still afraid at the end of this episode because you know, yes. It would have been something that would go quite far for a children's show, 
but we've seen him do many things that go very far for the audience it's aimed at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I, I wouldn't have put it past him at that point in time. I mean, they blew up a pregnant girl. That's a, They let Sandra, pregnant with a baby, explode. And, well, Amber. But, so, yeah, no, I... I <laughs> I was at that state where I felt no one was safe. So I was afraid someone would come too late. Yes, I thought Celine would go after him, but I, I was afraid she might not make it there in time. Anyway, bravo to the writers, the directors of that scene, and to Ryan. Is it Runcomin or Rumikin? Bravo. Either way, you did a great job. His tears are real. Yours are fake, you phony biatch. No, no, no. Her tears weren't fake. They were just not for him. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect, yeah. (laughs) (sighs) And on that note, that brings Series 2, Episode 37 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. And if you'd like to take part in a future episode of the podcast, send us a message on our Facebook page or on the website, thetribe.co.uk. So we'll see you next time for Episode 38. Until then, bye. Bye. Later. Bye.